Welcome into Great Quarter, guys, episode three. Today, uh, with me, as usual, I have my co-host, Kevin Hill. And secondly, I have Andrew Cox, who's a member of our Freight Intel group as well. How are you doing, Andrew? Lovely. How are you doing, Seth? Welcome in. Um, so, guys, um, as we said in the first two episodes, Great Quarter Guys is a podcast about the intersection of transportation, finance, and investing. So we've got a good show for you guys today. Um, Kevin Hill just got back from Chicago at Freight Waves Live. He's going to bring all the news and the funk and everything else that, that he saw out there. Um, so let's start off there, Kevin. Um, what are your highlights from the conference? So my highlights from the conference are there's some great technology that, that was displayed and demoed all around and great speakers all around. So one of the highlights is just getting there. We, we had such a difficult ch- time down in Chattanooga just getting to the conference. All the flights were canceled into Chicago on the day we were supposed to leave. So we had three vans and I think two or three car loads of, of people going up through a snowstorm to, uh, to, to Chicago all day Monday. So it was uh, quite an adventure just getting up there to, to start it out on, on Tuesday morning. Right. So you got up there. Um, you know, it's a two day event on, um, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, you spoke with a lot of people, maybe let's start off with of the, of the, you know, the things you saw, what, who were your favorite speakers? What were your favorite segments? So my favorite speakers, uh, one of the keynotes, Ben Mesrick, who did, uh, this, uh, social, 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 social network 21, a few other books, uh, did the, the first keynote. It was really good, really entertaining. Uh, and really interesting, just uh, some of the stories that, that he's been been around and behind and kind of how he got his start and and the complexities of Silicon Valley and big data from the social network and Zuckerberg and, and how that is uh, is panning out. So that was, that was very interesting. I don't know if you guys caught that on the live stream. I didn't. Maybe you could touch on that last bit a little bit. What were his overall thoughts on on Facebook and and privacy and all that? Is that was yeah. So so Facebook and privacy. But one of the things is uh, is that he he wrote the social network. So he was uh, talking about his sources and the Winklevoss oh, yeah. twins and how they were supplying them information uh, throughout the depositions uh-huh. and, and and the fight with the book and, and, and Facebook as well. But but kind of how Mark Zuckerberg is is uh I, I guess at one point that they have a on text message or a recording or, or, or something that that he uh doesn't really care too much about ethics just legality uh, so and it kind of goes through the 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 troubles of facebook lately of of political ads fake ads using data uh to 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 for for algorithms on advertising Right. And, and just how lax he is about uh, some of the controversies that's been going around Facebook. Yeah. So it, it seems like nothing new from Zuckerberg. He's been this way for uh, for his whole life. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just, an, uh, you know, what we're seeing now is just a play out of uh, his personality. And, right? Yeah. And a, and a lot of the, the lines in the, the movie were directly from deposition. So there, there were like direct quotes and direct lines from him. So that persona in the social network is, is probably truer than most people people think yeah i mean i i think i remember the part where i felt like i was a little disappointed in him in that movie was when he wrote his best friend out of the options or you know that was the for me the roughest part yeah so so, he had a he had a darker side to him yeah so so he went into that as well and and 
and I guess history shows that uh, he has no qualms about uh, screwing his business partners right out of out of money, and it starts with that friend and continues today. Right. Okay. So, um, what else? Uh, so we had executive. You know, that's one great thing about Freight Waves conferences is we bring all the leading and top executives in the transportation industry. I mean, I saw Shelly Simpson speak. I mean, who else was out there? What were your takeaways from the management teams uh, at the conference? So, so Shelly Simpson did a really great keynote. Uh, a lot about transparency, about uh, about where the industry is going and where technology is driving that. Unfortunately, I think you guys probably saw more of the event than I did on the live stream side. I was kind of out on the floor gotcha. uh, talking to, to, to you know, vendors and also kind of people that, that I know in the industry. So that, that's how I spent a lot of my time and certainly hanging around the booth as well. So I didn't get to see a lot, ah, I gotcha. but I did see Shelly Simpsons. Uh, I also saw Lee Clasco mm-hmm. uh, from Bloomberg. You know, always I've always been a big fan of uh, what he's done. So it was good to see his industry outlook and kind of going through consensus numbers and uh, kind of prognosis of the, the trade war and its effects on transportation, also over capacity. That was, a, a, of course, a main theme at the conference and about what the market's doing is, is trade war and, and overcapacity. And then also Ryan Rusnick from Aerospace Technologies is mm-hmm. toward the the. Later in the day on Wednesday, uh, he went through machine learning, their freight forwarder, uh, and went through machine learning on route planning for uh, domestic and worldwide air cargo. And he broke down he, he broke down that he broke down machine learning to where I think I, I understand it more than I, I ever have before. So uh, if if you guys or any of the listeners out there, uh, everything's will be posted on YouTube, on YouTube if, it, yep. if it hasn't been already. Check it out. Yeah, I definitely check out that. It was a, a very interesting uh, talk that he gave. And then um, and then there's a lot of video that I missed, a lot of sessions I missed that I'll probably spend this weekend uh, going in and and doing a little little catch up work uh, with my laptop and, and be watching uh, watching more of Freight Waves live than than I got to see live. Uh, of course, that's around watching my Oklahoma Sooners wipe the floor with the Baylor Bears. Oh, uh oh, that there's somebody around here that might uh, might be on the other side of that. I, I, I know. We'll see if that if he's listening to our podcast. Are you gonna? Are this. you gonna? You guys are gonna wear something of uh, the opposing team? Uh, whoever loses, maybe, yeah, maybe. See if you can strike that deal. With yes. Them. <laughs> um, okay. So. Um, I hear you on that. So what about um, sort of big thematic industry trends? I know you and I were talking this morning. So uh, UBS's transportation analyst, Tom uh, Wadowitz, did I, did I get that one right? You did, he, yes. He published a note um, with his takeaways from being at Freight Waves Live. And one that I found really interesting was he, it, to me, having been a media and an internet analyst, he basically struck a tone that... Um, truckstop.com sort of seems like the neutral, the Switzerland, uh, the Roku, if you will, the Shopify of the digital freight matching world. So what they're going to do is they're going to bring that independent technology and not compete with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on sort of truckstop's role in this new digital brokerage world? Yeah, so so Dat and Truckstop, uh, they, they own probably 80 to 90% of the, the public load board market. Uh, it's been a duopoly for as long as I've been in the industry. And that's been accelerating. I mean, they've both been, you know, freight matching marketplaces for twenty plus, thirty plus years. 
Uh, so, but but whenever TruckStop got this investment from Iconic, there was a lot of market rumors around uh, TruckStop um, using this to get into digital freight brokerage. And I, I don't know where a lot of it came from. Uh, I don't think they've ever really switched from being neutral marketplace, uh, taking, you know, whether it's a, a piece of a transaction moving forward or, or that same subscription model to where brokers and shippers, I guess, can can access the, the, the platform for a monthly subscription fee. And on the other end, carriers can access that, that platform for a, a subscription fee and, and having a marketplace. And, and that's something that was a, a big theme for, for the conference as well. Right. Um, a lot of money, I th- VC money is not shying away from transportation whatsoever. Right. So it's continued to grow. Uh, I think it's large on the fintech right now. And I don't, I don't see that stopping whatsoever. I think what we, we do see is like the digital freight brokers, you have Uber and Convoy who have a huge amount of market share. And then you have, uh, uh, some of the other players that have much smaller market shares. Um, and, and I think what you're seeing is a more interest in that marketplace that that truck stop and and dat and a few other players are starting to dominate and you're seeing a lot of new technologies that mimic freight matching that Uber and convoy are, are trying to roll out into tools for your your smaller brokerages your smaller carriers uh so that was a big theme that that i've I've seen. Um, and it really reinforced uh, Fruit Waves Live is that there's a lot of companies entering that space. Just for our listeners out there, because we're trying to get some finance, extend our audience, right? So get down in the nuts and bolts, sort of the elevator pitch. What is the difference between a load board or digital you know, freight matching board and a digital freight broker? And you know, how would you sum that up? So a digital freight broker is a freight broker, right? They're going to take a piece of the transaction. They're going to take your brokerage commission. And it's something that, uh, that, 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 and we wrote a paper on it. So digital freight brokers are turning more into regular brokers. As re- like C.H. Robinson announced, how much technology spend did they announce the, this last quarter? Uh, C.H. Robinson? Yeah. Um, they, sure. uh, they guided CapEx for 65 to $75 million, I believe, for uh, the upcoming year. But I think they're going to spend a billion dollars over... Five or ten years, yeah, yeah. Five, five or ten years. JB Hunt's already done at least five hundred million, and that continues, and it's going to continue across the board, whether it's Echo or or any other some of the, the carriers slash brokers as well. So you're going to see huge technology uh, spend to get more into into freight matching, right? So so. And then on the load board side, yeah, that's where I was going. So what they take if they take a cut, right, and both sides uh, have a subscription with them, how is that well, different? I guess right. So so they, they probably won't do both, right? Okay. So so the, the, there's other things that they can provide as well, right? Through financing, like like TruckStop owns a factoring company, right? Yeah, there you go. So you have all these other offerings that that you can have, uh, where you get little pieces of the transaction, and that's something that they already do right now, but. The, the marketplace is, is is really a neutral, kind of, kind of like the, the stock market, right? If electronic trading uh, is that you pay to have a seat at the table uh, every month and, and and you receive those tools and, and ability to do automated freight matching with your core group of, of carriers. Right. Is there any difference in anonymity between the two? Uh, so, so the... I guess you know you know who your partners are, right? So, so it's 
maybe not like the stock market where you don't know who the if you're selling stock you don't know who the buyer is. Gotcha. Right here, like like truck stops, uh, book it now that that demoed is that if I'm a broker, I come in with my list of carriers that are already vetted that are in my network or in my system, mm-hmm. and I upload those or that information, and those carriers can see my loads. So the carrier itself, if they're working with 10 brokers, they can see all those different brokers' loads to where uh, where where you can just click. You just click, yep. okay, I know this is from broker C, and I'm going to click here and book this load now. Yep. And and you should have a relationship with that with that broker. You kind of know where the paperwork is, and, and maybe you've done this load before. So it's kind of a, a, a private marketplace. It's, it's kind of like a... Um, uh, there's a couple other technologies like Freightfront is doing something very similar as well, uh, which is a new startup that demoed with us uh, as well. So you have PostBizShip is another one that, that kind of works that, that same model, that neutral uh, marketplace. DrayNow, uh, I talked to those guys as well, and they're doing intermodal. This mm-hmm. is intermodal marketplace. Intermodal. Yeah. So you're agnostic. <coughs> Excuse me. You're, you're agnostic. Uh, about uh, who you're working for, you're not really competing with um, with, with your, your customers, mm-hmm. kind of like a Shopify. Yep, that's where uh, I was going with that. Yeah, yeah. So yep. Like a Shopify, you're not, you know, Amazon's competing with their third-party resellers in a lot of ways. Where Shopify uh, is just uh, it's very third-party, uh, agnostic. You build your website. You do your marketing, you do your sales, you build your business, and you're just using their tools to uh, create a lot of efficiencies. The, yeah, really the hard part. Your back office and distribution and, and finance. Exactly. Basically. Yeah, and that's right. what like uh, trucks up and 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 other load board, you know, DAT or are trying to do as well. So okay. that's that's the difference. Good stuff. I think that's really helpful. Um, all right. Any other big thematic industry trends? I know you said you were excited about AI. Um, anything else that that um, really struck you as as uh, game changing or, or interesting out there? Yeah, you know, you're having this uh, the not really battle, but 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 there's a lot of legacy technology out there from like the '90s and, and 2000s, and that is it, they're having a harder and harder time competing with kind of the open access type of new technologies, you know, a lot of APIs floating around, uh, which is a much simpler way to integrate uh, with different partners than uh, if you're running legacy technology. And uh, Open source software? Is that, it's yeah. kind of open source software. It's, it's, very, it's easier to connect. Uh, the, the startup cost for a brokerage or a carrier or anyone in logistics, freight forwarder, uh, has come down quite a bit. Um, I know the old TMSs was a huge upfront investment. I mean, huge. I mean, it's almost that's the reason why a lot of people aren't running TMSs because it costs uh, tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand dollars. So you're either going to buy something, you're going to build something proprietary. But there's a lot, there's a lot of new TMSs that 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 you can get off the shelf uh, as a SaaS model and then integrate it with a bunch of different partners, mm-hmm. much easier than um, than integrations and in, in some other uh, TMSs that. Interesting. That have been around for for a while. So, so the same sort of SaaS trend that's playing out across a lot of markets is, is coming exactly to trucking right. yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So let's bring Andrew in here. Um, uh, this week uh, we did the DHL supply chain pricing power index. This thing's just been. We'll start off with you, Andrew. Um, this thing's just kind of sitting around. We we scored it at twenty. Um, just as a refresher, 
you know, uh, this is more or less a zero-sum game. Uh, zero is all the way in favor of the shippers, and 100 is all the way in favor of the carriers with 50 being balanced. We're sitting at 20 right now, so, you know, heavily in favor of the shippers. Andrew, what, did you, what were your takeaways this week? Just another week that we get closer to Christmas and Thanksgiving in which uh, everything dies down, and we, we just don't see the surge in volumes that we saw uh, this time last year. We had this nice like 10% surge from mid-October to Thanksgiving last year, and we're just not seeing a much of a pickup this year. Uh, and we also have a lot, of, a lot of loose capacity. Uh, rejections aren't going anywhere, so our two main uh, kind of homegrown indices are, are not in the favor of the carriers right now. So we stayed at 20 with the shippers. It, it just hasn't. It's been sputtering along. We've been expecting this pickup, and we haven't got much, uh, much in their way. Yeah, it's not really getting worse. That's that's good news. Is it's kind of uh, sort of flatlining, is the way I would describe it, at a very low base, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the, the 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 you know the peak holiday season is is pretty flat. It's just pretty flat, pretty um, standard. Are you seeing that in consumer spending as well, uh, or indicators uh, about that where? That's we're, better. That's better. Yesterday, um, we're going to talk about this later. Walmart had really good earnings. Um, you know, uh, consumer spending is still going strong. I mean, three or four percent range, and both are facing tough comps. Uh, consumer spending, you have tough comps, but it's still growing. On top of that, you you know, you have more pricing power though, right? And in, in consumer spending, and just uh, you know, Americans are not going to skip Christmas. They almost never do. Right. Uh, whereas trucking, it's more, you've got capacity issues going on at the same time as tough comps. Um, I wonder have you, have either of you guys looked at 20, uh, 19, uh, peak season versus 2017. Do you know where we're running? I, you know what? I haven't looked at it. Yeah, I haven't. Because uh, that, that would be back in my old days would, it would be the two year comp, right? So yep. that takes out the, you know, the, the, the distortion from the really tough comparison. I I need to go back and check that myself. Yeah, so we'll, I think unfortunately our uh, I think our OTBI starts March of. That's why. Yeah, we there you go. A, uh, Andrew, oh, yeah. on, Andrew on the ball. Yeah, nice. no, right, right. I, uh, I, 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 it was I, I, just coming in my head right there. Yeah, yeah. I will say that uh, the the tough comps. I mean, basically, you can overlay, and we do this in Sonar all the time, is overlay GDP uh, year over year percentage growth with um with OTVI and you, you can say acceleration and growth until about July, right? Which yeah. is about maybe really basically really the good. third. And then deceleration of growth um coming down from from there and you see that the OTVI um which is the outbound tenor volume index just just fall with it. So I would imagine that I mean it's, it's you know, twenty eighteen probably wasn't that difficult of comps. Yeah. Not nearly as difficult as, say, Q1 and Q2 of 2018. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. That's true. Um, although you did, you know, in the back half of Q4, if you look at uh, the OTVI, which is the National Outbound Tender Volumes for Drive-In, there was a seasonal surge. You did actually have that mm-hmm. seasonal uptick. Like, it was weak in the first part of Q4, which made for easy comps. That's when we were running up, like, almost 7% when mm-hmm. we were here a couple weeks ago. And now you're running slightly down. As of today, you're down, I think, 0.4% before I checked. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, comps should get ridiculously easier from from here on out once we get at least through Christmas. Q, Q1 2020 should be a, a pretty easy comp environment. So is Q2, right? Right. So. And, and, and Q3 and Q4 uh, will get a little bit harder. Harder, right? That's how the the yeah, comps like work. That, that mm-hmm. Just sequentially, July, uh, surge this year. Interesting. Yeah. Now, the technical analyst in me uh, side of me, um, I was looking at uh, 
national outbound tender rejections. Those are actually hitting a new high or, or almost, you know, they're up in the five, above five and a half. They're kind of testing that sort of recent high while spot rates are low and uh, volumes are weak. Is that sending any signals to you guys or is just uh, just much ado about nothing? You know what? Yeah, it does send signals. It's too early to, to make a call on it, but uh, I'm optimistic, hopefully, uh, about that. But, you know, any trend upward is a good trend if you're if you're a carrier or even a broker. Yeah. Right. It's, so we call that divergence in, in, in stock market um, talk. And and so when you look for these divergences, that can be an early clue that maybe things are. So that's why that's where I'm watching I think there. It's really, a, I think it's also a regional thing. If you look at the if you look at the rejections all throughout the uh, the country, up in the you know northern Midwest, they're like 14, 15, but then everywhere else in the you know four or five. So I, I really don't know what's going on up there. And the, I don't know if it's a weather thing, but it was like this last week before the weather. But I, I think uh, in certain parts of the country there is some tight tightening capacity. Uh, but down here in the south. Interesting. So that'll that'll be interesting to see whether we should uh, whether that'll continue. Okay. Um, let's move on to our next segment. So um, the uh, Amazon uh, and Nike. Uh, this made a lot of noise this week. Uh, Nike had been selling their gear. Uh, it was a big deal back in 2017 when they decided to sell their stuff on Amazon um, because Amazon for a very long time, especially on the clothing and apparel side, had been trying to recruit big marquee brands. And so it was a huge win for them. Uh, however, what two years later now, Nike is pulling their stuff off of Amazon primarily due to, you know, problems with counterfeits and gray market uh, products. So that's when, you know, Nike sells something to a distributor or a retailer and then they go and resell it on Amazon. Um, so guys, you know, first things first, um, you know, Amazon seems to be, it, Walmart stock has outperformed Amazon. They've got more mojo. They've, they're growing their e-commerce faster. They're losing, Ni Amazon's losing Nike. They're losing the, the contract with the defense department. Amazon seems to be hitting a little bump here. Um, but you know, so what are your, what are you guys thoughts on, you know, first of all, this news announcement that Nike's pulling its stuff. Do you think we'll see more? more and more retailers follow suit and um yeah let's start off there yeah I yeah, yeah I, I think it was i so so i have a little bit of experience in a, in a form of life with with amazon and counterfeit goods and and control of a brand uh i worked with in a um i was financial analyst for a it was about 2014 2015 financial financial analyst with a, a retail you know kind of an old established retail brand outdoor products uh and, and basically we sold on or you know we had our products on amazon but but there was a lot of problems with the same things that you outlined you know counterfeit number one yep. and number two people selling at prices that weren't our msrp yep Manufacturer right. suggested retail price. Yes, don't sell it below that. Right? Yes, exactly right. So we said that this is a hundred dollar product. Walmart's going to sell it. It's going to retail at a hundred dollars. Yep. Whether it's Dick's Sporting Goods, uh, Outdoor Academy, yeah. Outdoor, mm -hmm. or or Walmart or Kmart. Yeah, now when Kmart that, was still around, right? So and, and it showed up on Amazon for maybe twenty dollars cheaper, and we had no idea how it got there, right? Yep. You know, and and you have no visibility, so it was always, um, you know, the, you know. Certainly, Walmart was a much larger customer than than uh, than Amazon, but it was always something that was a, a 
problem. And I don't know if that company's since pulled and done like Nike, um, but there's always talk about doing just that. So that's a little microcosm of what you think's to come. So you, you think these are these are widespread issues that um, that aren't going away? I, I, I don't think, uh, yeah, there are widespread issues because you have the third-party retailers, and that's basically what you do as a third party sometimes there's a exactly that's your business model it is you know it's either getting your hands on that actual product and selling it for a lower price than than you can buy in the store or getting your hands on counterfeit products and you sell that right so that's that subset yeah i just think brands are going to say that we don't need amazon i think good brands uh, don't feel the need to sell uh on their website i think that they also do they kind of dampen their brand uh it's it's a much better experience to go to the nike website and pick out a, a, a shoe from a large selection of nikes rather than go to amazon and look at their website i think I think a lot of brands are going to go their way. I think you know they were they you, you were right. They did do a good job courting some big brands like Crews and Chicos and 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 strong consumer brands. But I think a lot of them are going to follow Nike suit. I think so too. And uh, I think if you look at the canary in the coal mine, is they can't get these luxury brands. And so mm-hmm. you know if you sell if 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 luxury goods, Louis Vuitton, mm-hmm. uh, Louboutin, Rolexes, this type of stuff finds its way into the hands of third-party distributors that are marking it down below suggested retail price. They will they will ensure that you not only they will sue you and ensure that you never sell their stuff again, and they will burn the excess inventory. So, I think that you know other sort of more mid to low end retailers are now figuring out, Hey, especially with the Shopify's of the world and increasingly figuring out e-commerce and they've been spending on it. And now they're catching up. They've been doing this for five or 10 years. Hey, maybe we don't need you. And I think Andrew had some good points there in terms of the brand presentation. I know one thing is, you know, Nike's website's incredible. The graph, it's got a lot of graphics. You need very fast inter- internet to run the site, yeah, but, but the presentation without a doubt yeah. is, is better. And then you get all that customer data, which you can never forget about, right? You can never forget about that. And that's something that uh, one of our other keynote speakers, the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Jordan Belfort, was uh, was on stage. And one of the things, he resisted social media for so long, um, but he was talking about how how good the advertising is on it. So if you cut out the, the Amazon portion of that and you take control of your marketing and your data, even though you know, all our data is, is with Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, but if you can control your client list, if you can control how you reach your customers and where they go to, to buy, uh, whether you're, you're, you're Nike or a, a small seller out there, uh, you have much more control over the future of your business yep. than going through the, the third party type of uh, situation with Amazon. Right. Now, now this isn't uh, a done deal just because they said they're pulling their stuff. I saw in the Wall Street Journal uh, just a simple search revealed there's still more than if you type in uh, Nike shirt or Nike shoes, there's like over 10,000 results um, pinging through Amazon. So they, they will have to tighten up those relationships with those retailers and those third-party distributors and have some tough discussions probably there. It's not just going to overnight go away, all that inventory go away. True. I mean, a company as big as Nike with as many products, it's, it'd be a, be a nightmare actually to try to, to police that on Amazon. And I think Amazon's so big now uh, that how do you really control all those products on, on a, on a product-by-product Blockchain. I Come on, Kevin. So. I, I guess so. We got a Bitcoin bull with us here in Andrew. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, that's for another day. But um, <laughs> okay, so guys, um, any read-throughs to transportation uh, from this? I mean, obviously, this is—it's almost—it's kind of a win for physical retail. 
and mm-hmm. it's a win for the little guys, I guess, in, in some respects. But I thought of one read through to transportation, but I want to get you guys' thoughts first. Anything? Yeah, I think it opens up a bit of market share uh, for Nike products. You, you no longer have Amazon trucks uh, running Amazon go- or running Nike goods, excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think that there are some read-throughs, and, if, and if, especially if other companies follow, follow suit, uh, you could have definitely market share opening up for other carriers that are not Amazon contracted. Yeah, I think with the, the, the read-through would be if this is a trend, you know, if Nike's the first one to fall, uh, then they lose access, Amazon loses access to that, to their supply chain. Yep. Really, I mean, because... Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're going to lose control to that that competitive advantage they have with their supply chain, uh, and they won't be able to they'll offer... They'll lose it. and scale, which yeah, is they'll lose they, scale. Lo- they love some scale. So. They, they love scale, but if you see that as a general trend on large retailers not selling through Amazon directly, then that means those goods, so those Nike shoes, Nike shirts, aren't going to end up in an in Amazon warehouse. Yep. And, and they're going to be moved uh, outside of Amazon's. And if you lose scale, you you potentially lose pricing power, right? And, you do. And the ability to, to push down prices both on the brokerage side and on the carriers and the shipping side as yeah. well. And you lose that one day free Amazon Prime shipping too. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Let's go on to the next one. So uh, the other big news story yesterday, um, there's been some concerns and trepidation over whether the economy, uh, the U.S. consumer has been holding everything up, right? Manufacturing, industrial, it's getting, almost getting tired of saying this. Walmart beat and raised for the second time this year. Um, they, uh, they gave a good health, they had healthy sales comps up 3.2%. That beat Wall Street consensus of 3%. Uh, e-commerce growth, 41%. That accelerated sequentially. So did the comps. Everything looks good there. And also, that to me is the biggest thing is that the e-commerce growth accelerated uh, into the low 40s, not only um, at the same time that Amazon implemented, spent all that money on one day free shipping on Prime, right in the, in the tooth of that. And then also they, they're up to 21 billion in e-commerce sales, which puts them at, I don't know, 5% of the overall e-commerce market. So they're not doing this on that tiny little base anymore. So two questions, um, you know, is, is Walmart kind of is, I guess, are they starting to, uh, is the, the momentum starting to shift to them a little bit? And then are there any read-throughs here in terms of the strong consumer and peak season and trucking particularly? Well, we read that good article. Uh, I don't know where it was from, but it was like Amazon's past its prime. And they had done a lot of surveying. Like, uh, And what the big one that stood out to me was uh, in one year, the percentage had flipped from uh, your preference to Walmart or Amazon from like 45 to like 57 and it, in favor of Amazon. I mean, in favor of Walmart, excuse me. It's like you see, especially with younger people, there's Walmart's uh, kind of a shining light that I, that I didn't expect. You see a lot of people that are going back multiple times a week and multiple times a month, which uh, I can say in, in my personal life I do. So yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't say that Amazon's done. I think we'd be silly to say that, but I think that that Walmart is making serious strides, especially in e-commerce and in grocery online. Let's expand on that before we get Kevin in here. So why are you using that? So one thing that struck me when we all read that article is, so why is this actually occurring? The data was spoke for itself. It was Walmart is strengthening and repeat purchases on Amazon are going down. But why are you using Walmart? Is it execution? Is it, you know, it makes it easy for you? What I is it? One of them is convenience. And the second is uh, 
and this may sound crazy, the they've gotten really quick with their uh, with their personal checkout, their self checkout. It's usually like yeah, you walk up and there's a ten person line, but it moves so much quicker than it did even like a month ago. I've noticed they've they've made major upgrades to their self checkout. Interesting, uh, I've noticed that too. And in, in the one that I've gone in, it it move it does move fast, but I hadn't thought about it. So you're ahead of me there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it, it's it's just quick. Like I'm in and out. I can uh, and I you know I don't know the layout of the store. It hasn't changed much, but uh, the the veggies have been better than normal lately uh and i go you know i've started going just once to get one or two meals uh a couple times a week rather than going once and getting you know a hundred dollars worth of stuff we go and get something quick because i'm able to get in and out quick and it helps that i live uh near one so that's a big help but i do a lot of the grocery delivery and the grocery pickup as well uh and the grocery pickup is is really convenient you, you do the curbside the, yeah the curbside pickup pick through yeah, the app schedule a time you call them you're there uh they're in and out in 10 minutes you don't you've already to, paid for it and yeah everything. and it, it's great because you can just Hit repeat the next week. You order exactly what you got the last week, uh, and your entire grocery shopping is done in, in five minutes. Yeah, you know, one thing um, I noticed uh, yesterday in my daily watch, actually today, uh, I don't know if the correlation is spurious or not, uh, that, you know, like uh, just a random correlation, but um, Walmart gets 50% of their sales from groceries, and that was the booming the booming part of their 41% e-commerce growth was from groceries. And if you open up a sonar chart, that is incredibly well correlated with reefer outbound tender volumes, which kind of makes sense to me. And so if you can figure out where the reefer outbound tender market's going, you can figure out how to trade Walmart stock. So there you go. Now, Kevin, there you go. Kevin, uh, what, what are your thoughts on all this? So uh, are they seeing much of the growth from groceries? It's, it's pretty broad based, but yeah. groceries were on fire um, was my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, do you ever go to uh, to Walmart's app and, and buy anything but groceries on the e- e-commerce side? You know, I don't. Be- because I'm so close, I can just walk in and I'll, I'll just yeah. go buy it on foot. Uh, but I do check the app to see if they have something and I'll check prices. But I can't say I've actually bought anything through their uh, normal non-grocery app. Yeah. So, I mean, I I, I guess it's, it shouldn't come as a surprise, right? Because, I mean, Walmart... Um, Walmart store, you know, started and dominated retail for for decades uh, by the use of a supply chain, right? So, so they had the the best supply chain. Then Amazon came along and and competed and and basically built a, a monster supply chain as well. But you know, Walmart is a, a is this one of their strong core competencies is their supply chain, and they should be able to pivot to to e commerce. It, it took them a little bit longer than it probably should have. Um, they probably didn't see the trend. Uh, but I They didn't want to cannibalize their, 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 their huge yeah. brick-and-mortar store. Yeah, it, it, which is right. the legacy. Legacies in, 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 any, in any industry, right, are, are prone to that, right? You can't cannibalize what you've done. You're profitable in-place assets right? that, you, that you don't want to delever on because that's, you've got rents and— yeah, and, and labor and everything else. That, yeah, so, so, smaller store volumes. Mm-hmm. So, good. so basically, if you go into e-commerce, then you are kind, you are cannibalizing your existing business with incremental expenses with, at the same time. Exactly right. You're basically you're developing a, a competing business against your core business. Right. Uh, and, and you see that those, those trends play out over history, over time. We see it playing out right now. In certain industries as well, is that once you get so big and you have such a successful business, uh, it's it's hard for you to pivot uh, to to take on any new technologies or new any new business models, uh, and and it's 
it, it takes a, a while for for some people, and, and most companies never adjust to it, and they just die a, a, a slow death. I think it takes Sears, that. right? Sears is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Sears was the Amazon and the Walmart of the 1890s, the new technology of catalogs. 1890s. Should I throw in the OK Boomer here? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the double pun with Kevin here. I know. Uh, but the, 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 the Sears he's at, catalog, You're actually Generation, uh, is it X or Z? Or? Uh, X. Yeah. Generation X. X. Sorry, yeah. X. Z yeah. the one below me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically, you know, the catalog revolutionized retail. You know, Sears, that was like the internet of the 1890s. <laughs> and, yeah, I know, right? Killing <laughs> us over here. I, I know, I know. But they, they didn't adjust to anything after that, really. It was it was revolutionary at the time, and they had dominant scale. Dominant. They were Amazon of the 1890s. You know, what's crazy is Sears still has something like 10 or 15 billion in sales. They, I know. I, I mean, they're bankrupt, but... Um, Stock price is zero, but ten know, or fifteen I, billion I, in sales is unbelievable. It, it so they really do is. have they do have some core customer uh, out there that that likes to go back. I, I, mean, I guess so. When was the last time you were in Sears? Oh gosh, um, I, I mean, it had to have been you know with my mom back in the nineties, I would think. Um, so, um, well, what, you know, so takeaways, right? A healthy Walmart is healthy for the U.S. consumer. It's also healthy for trucking, I would argue, because Walmart is 10% of overall every retail sale in the entire U.S. comes from Walmart. So that's good. They've got their own private fleets. A lot of uh, for hire companies help them out a little bit here and there. But if this is an indication for how the holiday season is going to shape out for everyone else, this is definitely good news. And it's a great read through, right? I mean, because if Walmart's healthy, then the, the holiday season should be healthy as well. Yep. And, and you know, what's interesting is Target. Target stock was up on the on the Walmart announcement, and Target has been on a tear as well. Um, so what, that's sort of where I was going with this, you know, is so I'm a huge fan of Amazon. I find more of my spending going to Amazon, but it's interesting. I, I, it's hard to tease out whether I'm, you know, I'm unique in that sense, or maybe the U.S. economy is just so strong and broad-based that it's holding, you know, Walmart and Target, the number in two two and three sort of legacy guys are catching up. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Who knows? Probably a little bit of both. I know Target has their, their loyal followers and fans. Uh, Walmart yes. does too. My wife and, uh, and everyone's every yeah. uh, women, women, are, they're yes. huge Target fans, right? Yes. Um, Walmart has their, their segment. Uh, I, I follow more in the Amazon segment just because I just like to order from home. And not have to worry about home anything. Buddy, Kevin Hill. I, I know, home buddy. Home you know, buddy. I don't want to go out to, to, to the store. Uh, so I, I just order from home. But, you know, it, you know, different uh, different strokes for different folks. One, one analogy I think is uh, that just popped into my mind is, is something to talk about. You know how we've, we've spoken about how digital freight brokers and traditional brokers are con- going to continue to uh, converge and they're going to look more and more like each other. I think Amazon and Walmart are going to do the same. Mm-hmm. You see Amazon opening up another brand of stores, not going to be Amazon Go, or, but it's going to be some sort of grocery store uh, throughout the country. They're starting it in Seattle and you're seeing Walmart being such a dominant player in e-commerce. I think we're going to see the same thing. These, these, these companies are going to start looking a lot more like each other. Exactly. That that's a great point, Andrew. That was actually the analogy that I, I wrote about, I think, in our digital freight brokerage report because I yeah. that's the side of the world that I come from and it, it's exactly everyone Amazon is becoming more brick and mortar and brick and mortar is becoming more e commerce like like Amazon. Um Okay, guys, um, it's been a good show so far. We're going to get to our last segment, the long short segment here. We've got two questions as usual. Um 
I will start with Andrew on this one. So first one here, Andrew, uh, long or short, uh, the overall drive van volumes uh, nationally at plus or uh, excuse me, plus one and a half percent for the rest of 2019. I, taking that you I'm long the short. over or short? I, I'm, I'm shorting. I am taking the under. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to get there. I think we stay at neutral or slightly below uh, this the 2018 number. I think we, we, we have a solid surge uh, the end of 2018 from like mid-October to Thanksgiving, and I don't see that surge happening. Uh, so, yeah, I am, uh, I'm short. How about you, Kevin? I'm long. We, we just got done talking about Walmart and great results. I think that's a, a read-through to the whole retail industry, uh, the consumer, uh, holiday shopping, and I think we're going to be above the 1.5%. Good call. I, I think we would be if there weren't so much excess capacity. That's sort of that you'd have more of a direct correlation between overall retail sales, I think, which are running up three or four percent and overall volumes and rates. And if you had the volumes up three or four percent, you might be able to suck up some of that capacity and get better rates. Um, OK, now, second question. Going back to you again here, Andrew. Um, I was taking a look at the uh, fact set consensus numbers for the top five publicly traded trucking companies. So that's Knight Swift, Werner, JB Hunt, uh, Schneider, and U.S. Express. Um, do you, are you long or short the fact that they can actually grow their revenue as a whole in 2020? The consensus right now is just about perfectly flat. So is this, uh, aggregating all five? Yes. yes. Aggregating okay. all five. Uh, I will go long. I'll say they can. Uh, and because I think that they are, you have USX adding capacity. Let's hope that that works out for them. Uh, More spot exposure too, which yep. they, if there's a snapback, yeah, I think they have like 25% spot exposure. So they, they could really move the needle there. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, you know, I haven't read notes on, on, on KNX or Warner. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll go long. I think, I think the first quarter, second quarter may be a little bit slow, but I think we pick up midsummer. Gotcha. Kevin. I'm going to go long because comps are going to be easy. The first quarter and second quarter of this year were not great quarters whatsoever. Uh, so so I, I'll, I'll go long because the, the comps are going to be much easier. So the, the growth, uh, I won't say it's going to be healthy at, at all, but I, I think compared to the, the first half, specifically the first half of 2019, it's, it's going to be easy comps. It'd be easy to, uh, it should be easy to you know, grow your revenues over 2019. You know, so for me, it all comes down to, um, I'm like Kirk Herbstreet, by the way, on, uh, what is it? College game day here. Yeah. I'm not, if you notice I'm not picking, but I'm going to tell you my thoughts, right? Yes. Um, so 90% of publicly traded these top five, it's 90% contractual revenue. So I think it's going to come down to right now we're seeing contract rates being aggressively negotiated down towards spot. I think it's going to come back. We're, you know, we as a team here at freight waves at the freight Intel group, we're bullish on some of that excess capacity drying up in the second half and that story playing out and then sort of a quick renegotiation in those contract rates back up to flat is what it's probably going to take. So that'll be, you know, because if, if you, this, the rates, the contract rates that are being set right now in bid season, I find a hard time believing that if you stay at those rates for the entire year that you're going to have positive carrier revenue. So you're short. I think I would lean short. Yeah. Okay. I, I think you would too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but modestly, very modestly. Okay. Well, that's going to do it again for uh, episode three of Great Quarter Guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, uh, this podcast is available on uh, all major uh, podcast networks, Apple, Spotify, Freightcast. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week.